honestly, when I first started the business, I just didn't want to work corporate America anymore. Okay. I could not take the rat race and I did the math and I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I can make like 50 grand a year. Okay. Like the guy comes to me, he's like, hey, I got bad news. Uh, we filed bankruptcy, so we're not going to pay you for any of this work. Wow. So did you learn welding from your grandpa or did you go to school for it? And I, I did grow up in the shop with grandpa, you know, okay. working on trailers and in actuality, when you get into business, you're like, I, I can't afford new stuff. Like, I need to make do with whatever I can. So, one, I can't do this forever. Mm -hmm. And if I'm doing this type of work and this this type of hell, exactly, I've got to make good decisions. Mm -hmm. I've got to make this pay off. Mm -hmm. Like, this is clearly my shot to do Welcome back to the Let's Evolve for Tomorrow podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone, and we help aspiring, new, and existing entrepreneurs excel to the next level by inviting other aspiring, new, and existing entrepreneurs to the podcast to give information, knowledge, on how to get to the next level. I have a very special guest here with us, and I say a very special guest, Preston Vance. This guy and I, we were friends back at, at Chase. For a few years, we worked in the same department. I happened to see a commercial one day. He popped up on TV, and I'm like, oh, okay, hey, I know that guy. And I wanted to invite him to the podcast. I mean, literally, when I called within two minutes, he accepted the invite. So that makes me feel like we really built, uh, you know, a great friendship or a great background or great history for him to accept the invitation with no hesitation. But he started his business in 2011. Vans Transportation Service. This guy is very successful, but I'm not going to steal his thunder. I'm going to let him jump in and give the rest of the information. Vans, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, Preston. Yeah. So go for it, man. If you don't mind, just give us a brief introduction, man, and so, tell us a little bit about yourself and your history. Yeah. So Preston Vance, I own and operate Vance Transportation Services in Lockbourne, Ohio. We specialize in semi-trailer repair and maintenance, focusing on large corporate fleets, um, primarily business to business. So we've been in business since about 2011, started out with one mobile truck and have grown it into, I think we've got about 15 employees right now and built our own facility and uh, you know, kind of expanded into some other avenues, but it's all basically transportation based. Okay. So how many bays do you have now? Six bays and two service trucks. Six bays, and it's all business to business? Yes. Okay, so if this is not being prying too much, what's like gross revenue in that type of business? So it's all based on uh, flat rate hours. Okay. So, you know, we bill a little over 2,000 hours a month. Okay. Uh, so that's been, so been that's kind what, of our average. 24,000 a year? 24,000 hours? Is my math right? Yeah, somewhere in there. Okay. So. Gotcha. So all you work on is tractor trailers, and that's it? We stick primarily to the trailers. Okay. They're kind of a, a little bit more of a niche group. Uh -huh. So most uh, companies right now average three to five trailers per truck. Okay. So a lot of companies are leaving their truck maintenance in-house to control those costs and outsourcing primarily their trailers, and they take up a lot of space. So we found kind of this little area in the market that, that we're able to, to service and do really well at. Okay. So something that I'm curious about, like I know you operate business to business. How many different corporations do you partner with? We've probably got 
30 or so that we work with on a regular basis. Um, about 10 to 12 that we are, are pretty heavy with where we're, we're seeing and contacting them pretty much every single day. We're, we're managing a lot of their, their maintenance programs and handling a large volume of their work. Okay. Um, we've got some customers where we handle everything. They don't even have a facility in the area, but they have transportation in the area. So we're handling everything. So with commercial vehicles, everything needs inspected at least once every 12 months to be legal by federal regulations. Mm -hmm. So, But most of our customers are doing them every 90 days, 60 days, 180 days. So that's a big part of our operation is our mobile trucks out continually keeping up on maintenance on the units. If they find something we don't want to do on site that's a little bit heavier than what we want to do out there, we've got a driver. We'll go pick up, bring the trailer to, to our shop, fix it, and send it back to the customer. So, okay. So how many mobile units do you have? Two. Two? Okay, so six bays, two mobile units, you're billing 2,000 hours a month. Yeah. You're working with 13 different organizations, 12 to 15 heavily, correct? Yeah. Wow, man. So that's a huge, huge accomplishment, right? Yeah. So now you're here. So let's peel back the layers, right? Yeah. And let's start with what inspired you. Honestly, when I first started the business, I just didn't want to work corporate America anymore. Okay. I could not take the rat race. And I did the math and I was like, well, I'm pretty sure I can make like 50 grand a year. Okay. Like that was like the whole, the whole thing. All right. I can make 50 grand. So I, uh, went to the bank on Monday and I had closed a loan on a brand new Silverado mm -hmm. and I took a $2,500 personal loan. Mm -hmm. And once that was closed on Monday, it was done. I had my, that was my little rig, a pull behind trailer and a pickup truck. So on Tuesday morning, I went in and said, I don't work here anymore and packed up my stuff. And I left Chase and that was, that was as far as I, I was going to go with the business. I really thought that that was my future it was with my little pull behind trailer and, you know, make so, a little extra money here and there. And that was it. What kind of equipment did you purchase? Uh, I bought a used welder off of Craigslist, and okay. I borrowed some tools from my grandpa and throw in the trailer and okay. just whatever I could do. Uh, so my original concept was I wanted to do, like, mobile welding and fabrication Ooh. and quickly realized that is not a viable market, uh, especially without having, like, previous contacts for it. Right. You know, I was getting called out to jobs that just physically could not be done because people don't understand metal or fabrication or engineering so i real and grant my grandpa already had a semi-trailer repair business mm -hmm. and it was a much easier avenue to kind of see what he had going on and, and just build and grow upon that so did you learn welding from your grandpa or did you go to school for it i took i went to taze valley okay and they had a really good agricultural program okay so i spent most of my time out in the ag building taking small engines woodworking welding um, i was just completely obsessed with it. and I, I did grow up in the shop with grandpa you know okay working on trailers and then right after uh, high school i started building custom trucks in, in grandpa's garage i remember that so that's where a lot of my like real fabrication and mechanical ability came from was just taking things apart and rebuilding them and putting them back together. Okay. So I was pretty confident in my abilities to do pretty much anything at the time. Right. So. 
So let's talk about so that turning point, right? So you started off with the fabrication. You figured out, okay, wait, that's not the route I want to go. I'm not really making any money. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, so what was that, that turning point from I'm going to pivot from here to working on the tractor trailers or the trailers? When I realized, uh, like, one of the first, the first weeks I was working for a leasing company, and I realized that they wanted me there every day. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, they're paying me. 50 bucks an hour and I get to be here every day like this is a way easier avenue right so you know at that time like I was you know a couple weeks in business everything was going good I was working for this leasing company and I think I'd built out like three thousand dollars worth of work I mean I thought I was rich and uh at the end of the second week guy comes to me he's like I got bad news uh we filed bankruptcy so we're not going to pay you for any of this work wow yeah so the first uh you know so you were a w-2 employee no, I was, was going to be 1099. I was billing them through my company. Ah, uh, okay. But they come in, he comes out and says, hey, we filed bankruptcy, so I don't think you're ever going to get paid on this stuff. I'm sorry. Like, you got to go now. So. so so let's go back to you got the truck, you got the trailer, you got the equipment. Yeah. Did you have a shop at that point, or were you parking it in front of your house? What did you? I was still living with my grandparents at the time, so okay. I was parking it in their driveway. And um, so Grandpa had a small shop. Okay. He had started business like back in the '70s and kept like a really kind of a small family operation. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of owner op stuff, and he just he didn't want to be too big. He was very comfortable. He supported you know the family, and everyone did good, and that was that was where he was at. So. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my jumping off point. Okay. Uh, I was able to kind of run parts through him. I knew the, the parts contacts, like where to get things. And he had a pretty good reputation in town. So mm-hmm. when I would go to places, you know, hey, this is my grandpa. And they're like, oh, I did business with him, you know, back in the 80s or whatever. So, and that was something that was really, really helpful mm-hmm. to, to help get going was having kind of that already having a blue check mark, I guess, next to my name of a family reputation. Right. So did he connect you with the company that filed bankruptcy? Yeah. Okay. Because he was doing work, so he got, you know. And that was your first official gig, right? Yeah, that was the really the first <laughs> couple weeks in business was I was out doing a lot of welding on their, their units, you know, bumpers and dolly legs and that kind of thing. Okay. You know, that was. So did they ever pay you at all? No. Or, okay, you no. just took a loss over it. Yep. That was a big old owl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what was next? So so right after that, we, I got into one of the uh, Honda suppliers. Um, so that was like, almost immediately I was able to kind of pick, pick up with them and really just started was rolling with them almost on a daily basis. And it was every day, whatever I could do to move the needle. As long as I could make, you know, $100, $150 a day, that was it. I was... If I didn't have work, mm-hmm. I was on Craigslist trying to buy something from an auction to, to flip it for scrap. You know, scrap was up a little bit at that time still. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was buying and scrapping semi-trailers. I would just, I would drive around and find carriers in the area, whoever had a name on their trailer. And I would just go cold call shops and who, whoever I could find that would, that needed trailer work, mm-hmm. I was contacting them. That was it. So how'd you get the connection with Honda? Through Grandpa. Oh, okay. So he, he was already kind of working. They, were, they had had a couple vendors on the lot, um, and nobody was really doing a great job. Mm-hmm. So I go out, and I'm like, I can be here, and I will do literally whatever you need me to do. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will do it. Um, okay. So I just dedicated pretty much all my resources to them, and that went, that went good for a couple of months. And then uh, their fiscal year ended, and he calls and says, hey, we can't use you for a couple months. Mm-hmm. So then I got in um, – 
I was connected to Ryder. Mm-hmm. And like as soon as like the Honda thing kind of died down, we went to Ryder. Uh, and that was what really set a trajectory for me. So I really had my pull behind trailer for just a couple of months. I, I outgrew that operation pretty quickly. It was kind of a nuisance. And I pulled a, uh, a truck out of the field mm-hmm. and put a box on it and basically built like a box truck. Yeah. Uh, painted it up with some tractor supply paint. And that was kind of the next step of the operation then i would have just whoever i could find to kind of help me mm-hmm. on days you know friends my brothers like whoever was available just to to ride along and help out and kind of ease some of the burden of service calls so at that time i was picking up customers working 12 to 16 hours a day monday wow. through friday saturdays i would do from about seven to two. Okay. And then Sunday I would do all my billing mm-hmm. and wash my clothes. And that was, that was every week. So when you made this decision to leave Chase, I'm assuming before then you sat down with your grandparents and had a conversation about this transition you were going to make and they supported it, right? Um, <laughs> no, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation. Uh, I'm pretty bullheaded with stuff. Like once, I, once my mind's made up, that's kind of the direction I'm going. So okay. it was like, hey, this is what I'm doing now. And you know, I think you know, Grandpa was was pretty nervous because he was like, I don't, you know, the market was kind of shaky still at the time. He's like, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, I do. Like, I'll figure it out. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna do okay at this. Right. So I just kind of went for it. Okay. So you you bought a new truck. So you parked the truck once you pulled the old truck out of the field. Yeah. Put a box on it. Did all the work yourself. Yeah. And that's what you put on the road. Yeah, it was a 1989 International. So I'd started out with the concept of, like, I need to buy, like, new stuff and do all this. And mm-hmm. then in actuality, when you get into business, you're like, I, I can't afford new stuff. Like, I need to make do with whatever I can. So this uh, it was actually a really, like, interesting turn of events. It was, like, this 1989 International was just sitting out in the field. that We had already, like, taken another box off of it for a guy. Mm-hmm. So I call the dude. I'm like, hey, can I buy this truck from you? He's like, you know, fifteen hundred bucks. I'm like, perfect. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have fifteen hundred dollars, but I'll figure out how to get fifteen hundred bucks. Okay. So, uh, so he just mails me the title, and he's like, I'll I'll get the money later. And then I never heard from him again. Wow. Yeah. So that was like that was like a, a godsend. And then in 2021, he he needed some work done on a truck, and he mm-hmm. like got he like got reconnected with me, and I was like. I can't tell you how much I actually owe you. Like mm-hmm. I'm doing all your work for free right now. Like right. you have unlimited credit in my world. Cause he, that $1,500 was everything to me at the time. So that was a really cool, a cool interaction. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So you get Ryder as a client. Was that through grandpa yeah. as well? Um, sort of. Yeah. He'd already kind of had some contacts and then there was an, another guy um, in town doing some of the work that, that didn't really want to, tackle that anymore he was kind of transitioning his business and he mm-hmm. was nice enough to to hook me up with them and made that contact so that was really beneficial for me okay what type of work did you do for like riding? i know you repaired their their trailers right yeah so it was like, pretty much all for for them it was a lot of the damage repair uh-huh. so you know they rent the equipment mm-hmm. um, so we were when the customer would would damage it you know they do a lot more of the maintenance and uh, preventative maintenance stuff so they don't they don't handle a lot of the damage so they outsource it Okay. So we're doing a, a lot of the damage work. And then at the time there was, they had about 400 trailers around Columbus 
they were all on full maintenance programs. Okay. And they all started needing brake jobs at the same time. So I, I got into doing three or four brake jobs a day. Wow, by and, yourself. Yeah, and they were supplying parts. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any money out of pocket. So it was like this perfect trajectory. And then uh, kind of through that time, they'd called me out for a brake job. It was like dead of winter, and it was really, really cold. And I was, you know, I was doing anything, anything they needed. Mm-hmm. I'm, your, I'm your man. Like, I will go to great lengths to make things happen for these customers. Right. So I go out, and I put a bottle of water on the back of my service truck. I do the brake job. When I was done with the brake job, my bottle of water had frozen. It was that cold. Yeah. And that, that was a big turning point in my mindset because I thought, well, one, I can't do this forever. Mm-hmm. And if I'm doing this type of work and this, this type of hell. Exactly. I've got to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. I've got to make this payoff. Mm-hmm. Like, this is clearly my shot to do something greater. We're taking it all the way. Exactly. And that was, like, a, a moment that just changed changed my whole life of, like, we're gonna, we've are gonna got to make good decisions. Okay, so I've heard that mindset is always the first change, right? Mm-hmm. So shift in mindset, what was the second step? The second step, so I found, uh, like, a second service truck, um, kind of eased some of the burden on me and we quickly filled that you know to capacity and we were really like there was a me and my my grandpa's brother he was running the other service truck mm-hmm. and that was going like really well got to the point i was kind of feeding a lot of work to grandpa because he had a lot of owner op stuff and those were kind of shaky so i started getting these corporate customers so i started kind of feeding grandpa work mm. and then in uh, 2014, on the kind of the same property his shop was on, there was a much larger shop that okay. became available. Mm-hmm. So I just I went for it in 2014. That's so, when we made like a really big jump from kind of the two service trucks and like I was kind of managing like one bay at Grandpa's little two-bay shop mm. to running 12,000 square feet and hiring employees and figuring out like how to do a legitimate payroll instead of just like paying people cash (laughs) so so wait so you were you had the mobile trucks yeah when you say you were parking it at your grandpa's place you were talking about the shop yeah okay so he had a two-bay shop yep he kind of gave you your start after he gave you your start you started getting business you started feeding him business how was that conversation with your with your uncle is that yeah is that the person How, how did that conversation go when you're like hey you know what's his name my uncle walt Okay, Uncle Walt, I need your help. Yeah. I mean, did he just jump right at the opportunity? Did yeah. he take some convincing? No, he, he jumped out. He was an over-the-road trucker, and, uh, you know, he would come back off the road, and we'd work till 2 o'clock in the morning trying to get his truck ready to go back out. And it was just kind of this perfect relationship of, like, he didn't really want to do what he was doing anymore. I needed help, and uh, he, just, he just jumped in. And he still, he still drives for me today. Like, wow. I mean, I, I wouldn't be where I am without Okay. Without him, like I owe so much to him and Grandpa, right? For the, just the support and help that they've given me through the years. So when he jumped on board, you just had Ryder at the time, right? Yeah. Okay. And it was like, well, you know, a couple other customers. We'd picked back up with Honda, and it was, you know, but it was shaky. I mean, it was just it was going and finding work pretty much every day, and then once we got to that point, it was 
kept snowballing. Right. So what was that point where you just really took off? I know you said you changed your mindset. You had your Uncle Walt come on board. You had Ryder. But what was that, that milestone that you hit when you really just kind of took off? When I moved into that first big shop. Okay. Because it, it was a leap of faith. You know, I went from, you know, splitting a $1,200 a month rent to, I think it was $4,000 a month in rent Ooh. and buying equipment and, you know, running payroll and, you know, quickly went from, you know, me and my uncle making enough to survive and, a, you know, a little bit extra to like, oh, this is a real business. Mm-hmm. And and with that jump, the concept was I, I don't want to be an employee of my business. I want to be a business owner. And I knew I needed to grow to a point that I didn't have to work in the business every day. Like okay. I wanted to be able to work on the business, and I knew that that was, that was the only way to do it. And that was kind of this, this moment to make that jump. Mm-hmm. So we just went for it. Okay. So the, the other shop, the smaller shop, did you sell that one? or did you? It was it? all rented. Everything was rented at that oh, point. Okay. So we just moved, and it was on the same. Uh, the property had changed ownership at the time. Mm-hmm. So it all just kind of a perfect storm for us to have that other building available. Okay. So you move into the larger biz, uh, building. I'm assuming you picked up more business. Yeah. So one of my big customers, it took me almost two years to finally get them mm. on board with me. Uh, I had it set up in my calendar. So every three months I would go visit them. Okay. And I just I kept pursuing it and pursuing it and pursuing it, and they just they would never give me a chance. And finally... As I was getting ready to move into the big shop, I was out in the service truck. I was busy, and I just was like, I'm, I'm going there right now. Like, mm-hmm. It was like I didn't have a choice. The universe just drove me to, to their location. I walk in, and I meet all the people in charge in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And the guy just looks at me. He's like, you are the most persistent person I've ever <laughs> met. And I'm like, just give me a shot, man. Like, just give me a shot. Uh, so they just started giving me, like, the worst stuff they had. Uh-huh. And we would turn it in, like, 24 hours and get it back to them. And they realized, like, oh, like, okay, mm. you, you're, you are a serious business. You can get some stuff done. And, like, they're still my biggest customer. So they wanted to see how serious you are. They yeah. were testing you. And it's weird how the timing works is, you know, if they would have given me a shot prior to that, mm-hmm. I don't think I could have been able to support it. Why not? I wasn't in the big shop. Mm, I think okay. it would have been way too much to really – take on what they needed me to do. Okay. Uh, so it's weird how the universe has, like, kind of placed these timing right. things for me through the, the process of this. So let's let's talk about that a little bit more, right? So it sounds like that was your first interaction, business to business, on your own, without Grandpa kind of laying the, you know, the groundwork yeah. for you. Can you kind of walk us through how you built that relationship and how you stay so consistent and persistent over the course of two years? Because myself included and other people are thinking they want to do business to business, business to consumer. They're like, okay, that's fine. But I need to understand how do I get past the wall, past the door to talk to the decision makers? The big thing that I've realized through that, you know, early on, I I don't think I really grasp it until... You don't, you don't get it until you get it, right? Mm-hmm. It's figuring out how to provide them good value. What, you know, every organization has needs. What are their needs and what can you do to help them out? You know, they, if they, our customers, when they send something out, they don't want to think about it. Like when it goes back, it needs to be right. 
swept out. It's it's ready to go. So we manage probably more than the average shop does, mm -hmm. but that's the value that we provide to our customers. So you know they've got. <clears throat> 12,000 trailers mm -hmm. and they've all got to be on the road as much as possible to make them mu as much money as possible. Right. So figuring out how their operation works, the types of trailers they have, the work they need, how we can manage the workflow of, of some of the, the bigger like accident jobs versus, you know, the, the minor brake jobs and minor damage stuff, like really getting a flow with the customer and understanding, understanding their business is, is key. So, what I've done over the last few years is make sure that we're diversified of working with carriers and with leasing companies. Okay. So there's a, a big market in the transportation industry of, of large investment firms that own giant groups of trailers, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 trailers, mm -hmm. and they lease those to carriers. Okay. Is so, that like your rider, your Pinsky? Penske extra lease, milestone okay. trailer leasing. There's a, a a big a big portion of the market is is that type of work. Gotcha. So we've figured out kind of how to balance working with carriers and with leasing companies, mm -hmm. so that during peak times, the leasing companies don't really have any work because all their trailers are leased to carriers. Mm -hmm. So at that point in time, we're managing the carriers' needs, but we know that typically in January the big carriers are turning their trailers in. We're going to work the leasing companies at that time. Okay. So let's go back to that, that first large carrier, right? Building that relationship. So you're visiting them every three months. Are they like blowing you off? Like come back next time. He's not here. They're not here. The decision makers haven't looked at your proposal. Yeah. What was that whole interaction like? Um, yeah, it was a lot of just kind of being blown off. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll give you a call if we have anything. I'll give you a call if we have anything. And everyone was, you know, polite, nice and polite about it. But, okay. you know, and, and honestly, like, I think a lot of it was presentation. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I, I've, early on, you don't really understand how important the presentation is mm -hmm. of yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, perception is reality. So, exactly. you know, kind of building myself up and just even like being dressed a little more professionally when I went in. I don't, I don't know how much that may have played into that or whatever mm -hmm. it is, but. Just keep going. Eventually, did you, it'll... Did you wear a suit? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. No, okay. it's not in the transportation world. But even just wearing, like, a, a, a collared work shirt versus mm -hmm. a, a ratty T-shirt or something makes a big difference. Like right. Going in wearing proper work boots instead of tennis shoes, like that kind of thing. Just showing that you are serious about what you're doing. So how did you know who the decision makers were? How did you identify? I them? would literally walk into shops and just start asking questions. Okay. Who do I talk to about this? Okay. And you know, sometimes you get yelled at, sometimes you get kicked off the property, and sometimes someone will talk to you. But that was there was a lot of that of just driving around and going into places of like, who does this for you? Right. Can I do it? Because I promise I'll do it better than whoever's doing it. Okay. And just setting an example of like, we will do whatever we need to do to kind of get get your business and keep your business and understand your operation. So what about those larger carriers where you couldn't just walk into an office because their headquarters is located somewhere else? What about them, like making those calls? What did that look like? Networking. Okay. Figuring, just asking a lot of questions around town of figuring out who to talk to mm -hmm. and how to get in contact with them. Mm. Uh, during, during COVID, when that first happened and uh, Honda shut down, mm -hmm. 
well, that Honda was like one of our biggest customers, like one of the Honda carriers. So I figured out the customers I thought would make sense for us. Mm -hmm. And I got on LinkedIn and figured out who was in charge of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I hand wrote letters to them with a flyer of about who we are and what we do. And I FedExed it to their desk. That's huge, man. Yeah. There's always a way to get in contact with somebody. You just got to think creatively. Absolutely. So that's, that's what I did. Okay. So with all of the success that you were having, it sounds like, you know, you were just given the the golden ticket, but I'm sure there were some key challenges that kind of came along the way. Oh yeah. So what were some of those, like that one key challenge that stands out in your mind to this day and how did you overcome it? Oh, well, a lot of challenges that I faced, especially early on was they were financial challenges because doing business to business, everything is on an accrual based where it's on an account and they're paying us in 30, 45, 60, 90 days. Mm -hmm. So just because you might do a $10,000 a month, you don't have $10,000. You actually don't have anything because you spent all of your money to earn the $10,000 and you hope that next month you can do Mm $15,000. But to do $15,000, you're going to spend every check that comes in. So as you grow that accrual-based business, the money is always tight. Right. It's never, it, it really like never catches up until there's like, you really got to have a couple slow months for the money to catch up. It's, it's a very weird dynamic. Um, <clears throat> so with that, like early on when I had just two service trucks and a couple helpers, mm-hmm. I remember sitting in, uh, sitting with grandpa, it was like a Wednesday morning and I'm looking at grandpa, I'm like, I'm done after today. I'm wow. like, I literally have zero dollars to pay my guys past today. Mm-hmm. Like this afternoon, I'm sending everybody home with their cash. I'm going to work until my parts run out and then I'm done. Like I don't have money to buy parts. I don't have money for gas. I don't have money for anything. What year was this? This would have been. Because you started in 2000. It's probably 2013 at this point still. Okay. So two years later. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like that che- that day, like a check for like you know, like five thousand dollars or something came in, and it was like, all right, like we can work tomorrow, right? Like, you know, and uh, th- those moments really just kind of build on themselves, where you start start stacking up proof that it's going to work out, mm-hmm. and and it takes a little bit of the stress away over time, but right. it's still stressful. So I mean, at so at that point, you had that five thousand dollar check to come in. How did you make it through the next month, or was it kind of like? It was like that. Just, it was just like that. Okay. Like so that, pretty regularly. That one check came through where mm-hmm. you took care of your staff. Yep. How did you get to a point where that changed? Was it more business? We. Being very diligent on money management. Okay. Uh, when I when I finally got my first line of credit, mm-hmm. the bank we finally got a line of credit. I borrowed against the line, mm-hmm. put in a savings account, mm-hmm. and then paid the line back. Okay, and that worked really well. Mm-hmm. That was that was like this smart little thing. So I was able to build my credit on you know the business credit and kind of show the bank like we are a, a viable entity. And that that was. That was a big step forward for us to being able to just even like borrowing money that we didn't need mm-hmm. and paying it back and mm-hmm. just leaving that in that savings account to keep some kind of nest egg. Nice. And that was a huge step forward. And that was 
sometime in 2014, late 2014, mm-hmm. when that happened. You know, and the reason I ask, I've had conversations with multiple people sitting in the same chair that said the exact same thing. And everyone was very creative with how they paid their staff or kept the lights on or kept the doors open. Mm-hmm. And to know that every, literally every entrepreneur from different walks of life experienced the exact same thing. So to know that you went out and got a business line of credit to say, hey, if we're ever on hard times as, as a business, I know that I have my, your guys you need to take yeah. care of. So you put something in place for that. So just really wanting the listeners to know that there are you know, creative ways to do that. There's always a way. Yeah. Like, there's always a way. <laughs> <laughs> so are there any other businesses like yours, let's just say in the state of Ohio? The do trailer repair? Yeah. Yeah, there's probably over 50 people in central Ohio that do trailer repair. Okay. Um, I think we're... We're probably one of the last, like, independent shops. Uh, most of the other ones, like, of, of our scale, mm-hmm. most of the other ones have some sort of corporate backing. They're uh, owned by a trailer manufacturer. They've got a new trailer dealership alongside of them. So we're kind of the last of a dying breed in the, the transportation world. It's all, it's all being consolidated to larger groups and private equity right now. Gotcha. So when you did your business plan, how did you do the research to identify those 50 competitors? I did not have that clear of a plan. Okay. It okay. was just, we're going to go with it. Um, but when it, you know, when it comes to the size of the business, so, mm-hmm. you know, I tell my guys, like, we're not competing with anybody else. We're competing with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, getting caught up on what everyone else is doing is, is just going to eat you up. And you're going to waste your energy because there is, at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to do all of it. Mm-hmm. You need your competitors. Mm-hmm. It, it's got to be diversified. And even like our customers, a lot of our customers use multiple vendors in town. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's the way it's got to go just because there is so much volume of work. Mm-hmm. But it was figuring out, for me, the business plan was more what makes sense for us. And when you look at, well, first of all, I was limited on the size of the building I could build. We built the building in 2016 into 17 mm-hmm. after the fire. Um, if you look at NTB and Discount Tire and those like national chains that all make clearly make a lot of profit, mm-hmm. they're all six to eight bays. So there, there's a kind of a sweet spot in that world of productivity, support staff, and profit. Uh, you know, two more bays isn't necessarily going to make you more money because you might need an extra parts person or an extra office person or an extra driver that are not billable hours they're just going to be a straight cost to the company mm-hmm. so you've got to figure out what makes sense grossing more doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make more right okay so let's let's go back because i don't want to skip over the fire yeah so that was the second shop that you rented yep okay so tell us about that so that was april of 2016 mm-hmm. uh, guy was welding on a trailer wasn't following protocol Caught the trailer on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it expanded and burnt everything to the ground in front of our eyes. Wow. Like, we watched it. Did anyone get hurt? No, everyone got out. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So, how did that disrupt your business, if there was a <laughs> disruption? <laughs> so, man, it disrupted everything. Okay. Uh, but up to that point, you know, we had been growing year over year, and, like, 
I think in, in 2015 we had just had, when we had our biggest year and, you know, everything was good, you know, and you kind of think that, that you're special, but when you talk to the business owners and entrepreneurs and that, it's like something will get you, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, the adage, it's like running a business is like looking both ways to cross the road right. and getting hit by an airplane. Right. Like you cannot prepare <laughs> for everything, but something I, I had learned at Chase was business contingency. Mm. How do we run this business mm-hmm. in a worst case scenario? Exactly. So anyway, so the shop is uh Chase University. Yeah, I that I learned a surprising amount uh at that place. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> So how did you pivot? We had service trucks and okay. I had some parts stashed in another building. Mm. So uh, so the fire happened on on Friday and actually like I remember remember laughing during the fire. Like, I mean, I was full of emotion of all these other things, but there was this moment that I'll never forget because I remember watching everything I had built burn to the ground. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> they were right. Like, everyone was right. Like, this is that moment in time that something got me. Right. Like, some this little, it was a, a weld that was probably less than four inches. I mean, it was the simplest little job Wow. that could ever be done. Like, yeah. it was... So it's such a stupid thing that happened. Um, so so, how <clears throat> how did that happen again? Did it like the catch trailer? Fire had, yeah, or? the trailer had cardboard in it. They didn't check the inside. Oh, so they okay. just you know did this little well, and they heard sizzling. Opens the door, the oxygen hit it, and it just engulfed pretty Ooh. much immediately. Wow, how many service trucks did you have at that time? I think we had three at that time. Okay, so we uh, <clears throat> we cleared. So that happened on Friday. We cleared the rubble. We worked on Monday, so mm. we lost everything and never missed a day of production. Wow! And I'm I'm really proud of that. And I, you know, that was a big thing. Like as I'm watching it burn, I I knew I'm going to have to tell this story, mm-hmm. right, wrong, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. What happens from here on out? This is a story I will have to tell. Absolutely. I'm going to make it a good story. Right. Like as as hard as it is, and the the disruption and the chaos it's caused, like even to this day. But it was. So it, how long did, it, did it take before you built your next shop or before you completed it? So we'd bought the land in 20 that we're on now. We'd bought that in 15 with the anticipation of building sometime around like 19 or 20. Okay. And, you know, we'd kind of overextended ourselves to even get that property. Mm-hmm. So that just moved the timeline up. So we went to the bank and said, hey, we've got to, like, do this right now. Like, mm-hmm. there's no option. Uh, so I've, I found a guy down in Circleville that, was super cool about everything and he was like just it was a rental shop another rental mm-hmm. he said just move your stuff in we'll figure out the lease and everything later he's like i've been in business a long time it's happened to me before he's like just keep working and we'll figure it out so man you've had some favor wow yeah that's huge okay so let's talk about go back to competitors right mm-hmm. what sets you apart what sets vans transportation apart from all of the other competitors? I think there's a couple of things. At this point, we're big enough to get done what you need done, but we're small enough to be creative. We don't have these set corporate guidelines like some of the bigger shops, so mm-hmm. we're able to kind of <clears throat> operate outside of, of normal functions on a couple of things here and there. Mm-hmm. And then also that I'm still heavily involved in the business. Mm-hmm. And then we had talked off camera of being able to meet all of the people I deal with. I can 
meet the mechanics in the shop because I understand that operation and I can meet the, the VPs and the CEOs and the maintenance managers at that level of being able to conduct a real business conference call and be able to send a good email and, you know, those little things and, and span all of their needs. I Why think does that come to you so easy? Because I've been all those people, okay. you know, from yeah. the guy crawling around in the muck with his water bottle freezing, doing the brake <laughs> job to the, the guy that's navigating the financial world of borrowing money and developing property. So right. understanding all of the struggles and the fact that at the end of the day, we're all just trying to do our jobs. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to just earn a living and, and go home at the end of the day and make it as streamlined as possible. So just understanding that everyone has their own needs and mm-hmm. you got to treat each individual in each situation in a unique way. Okay. So you mentioned like the corporate red tape, right? What are your plans for expansion or are there any plans for expansion? So I don't think I really have too much of a desire to grow the repair business okay. too much more. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really enjoyed the uh, like the property development and like land ownership. I've enjoyed that. In 2018, we started a dealership, buying and selling used trailers. Really? Okay. So that was good. That's and cool. And then it was kind of just like this little side hustle thing okay. I was doing. And then last year it just it went gangbusters. Uh, it did. 150% of what the shop usually does. So we like more than doubled our revenue yeah, last year with right. the dealership. Uh, we kind of hit this sweet spot in the market. We did like somewhere around 250 trailers. Okay. Uh, that was really fun. Right. Okay. So you're still doing that now, right? Yeah. The market has gone for that right now. Okay. Uh, I think it'll, it'll come back, but I think everyone's just kind of a little bit nervous right now. So right. that's, that's st- sort of just stopped. Okay. Uh, the next next move right now is developing parking space. Okay. Uh, ground in general is huge for parking mm-hmm. in Central Ohio. So. Absolutely. Because when you when you look at Central Ohio on a global scale, mm-hmm. it offers something for transportation that nowhere else in the world offers. We have more reasonable access to population than anywhere else on the planet. Hmm. We have two international airports. Mm-hmm. We're a big international trade zone. Mm-hmm. We have double stack rail access to most of the country. Mm-hmm. And we're a one-day trucking drive to about 70% of the U.S. population. That makes sense. And I guess being in the transportation industry, you've kind of done your homework on mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's an anomaly. Like What we have in Columbus is an anomaly. Yeah, absolutely. So give us a success story. Right, that one that stands out in your mind. I mean, obviously you've had a lot of success, but what's what's top tier? What's I know you had you know you said I have that one story that I can tell about unfortunately your shop burning. Yeah, but on the other side of that, what's that success story? Man, I just I feel like the whole the whole thing for (laughs) me is that is that story. I still you know I pull in some mornings and I sit. I'll sit in the parking lot at, you know, 6 Mm a.m. And to be honest, like, I'll just look at it and kind of cry sometimes. I'm like, I don't really understand how I got here. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's an interesting question because I think I focus so much on, like, overcoming some of those adversities and, like, those stories. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that would be. 
building your shop. Yeah, I mean, build, yeah, like I said, the whole thing, just like everything feels kind of surreal to me sometimes. Uh-huh. Like just, you know, starting out how I started out and where I am now, like it doesn't, it doesn't seem real. Like right. the whole, the whole path was just absolutely insane. I did have one question for you. So you said you worked at Chase. Prior to Chase, did were you in school or in college, working another job? Oh, um, <laughs> so I've, I've worked kind of on and off with uh, with Grandpa in the shop. Uh, I tried Columbus State for a little bit. That was not not for me. Okay. No, I think I went like two semesters, something like that. Right. Like maybe half of a third. I don't know. Yeah, that was college was not not my game. Okay. It was just odd jobs here and there, mm-hmm. like nothing nothing really serious before okay. Chase. So you apply for Chase. What was your first position? Banker services. Okay. Yeah, it was like when they moved the call center from Kentucky to Columbus. We were the first group of people to learn that whole mm-hmm. operation. That's true. How long did you stay? I think I was there for four and a half years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like four and a half years. So when you decided to take that leap of faith, were you scared at all? I think I was too dumb to be scared at the time, to be honest with you. Like, it just felt like there's I've, there's some moments in my life that I felt like were were bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them. Okay. Like, it was just steadfast. This is the direction we're going. Mm-hmm. There's no other option here. Gotcha. So, going back, to, going back to the trailers, right? So, now I'm thinking about trends. Do trends change in your line of business? Because, I mean, honestly, on the outside looking in, I just see a box. And it's all metal or wood or whatever else you met. Yeah. You know, you weld, replace parts, and that's it. Um, and I'm sure there's more to it than that. But Kind of not really. <laughs> yeah. Now, there's some, some interesting things. So we're not there yet, but there is a lot of, of technology coming. You know, a lot of safety precautions that will be coming in the next, probably the next decade or so that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Uh, that's going to be a big deal, but... Like I said, we've we've done a good job of, of balancing leasing customers and, and carriers. <clears throat> and Amazon has changed that tremendously. In what way? The the busy seasons aren't the same as they were before because of so much e commerce. Like we're not ex- like we're not experiencing such an influx in January like we would have. We didn't experience where everything goes out in October like we normally would have. Mm-hmm. So the e commerce has shifted that trend, which would have been our normal workflow mm-hmm. tremendously. Uh, and then obviously COVID has changed, right. changed the world. So we're still kind of finding our footing with that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're busy. Like we're doing really well, but it's not, it's almost more consistent now than it was before. Okay. So is that why you're looking to pivot with the challenges that are coming down the pipeline over the next 10 years? I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity in the next 10 years. I'm kind of just going to ride that wave. Okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. Like, no, go as, as bad as this is, like uh, Warren Buffett says, you buy when there's blood in the streets. Mm-hmm. So I think we've, um, you know, we, we, were, we were not financially prepared to build the shop we built because mm-hmm. I mean, after the fire, like, we were, we were upside down for a long time. So the last few years, even though everything's been really good um, in the transportation world, we haven't grown. We've really kind of kept things close to the hip, mm-hmm. kept our debt load really low, kept our employee count where it needs to be, like big enough to service things. We're not, 
not overextending ourselves. And I think that we are going to come up on a downturn. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're going to be poised to find some opportunities in that. Gotcha. I don't know what that looks like right. at this point, but there's going to be opportunities in the next, I would say, 18 months. Okay. When you bring on new staff members, <clears throat> do you have the, do you send them like through some type of training, or do you only hire people with experience? We have much better luck hiring people without experience. Okay. Uh, we we hire primarily based on attitude. Okay. If you've got a good work ethic and a good attitude, <clears throat> we we can train you to do the job, and because we, we want to train you how to do things the way that we do it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the most dangerous phrases in the English language is. We've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> man, it sucks. You've done it wrong the whole time. Exactly. There's definitely an easier way. So, right. you know, like, especially when it comes to like hiring experienced mechanics, they kind of are set in their ways and they don't like change. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of, of issues hiring people that have a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, typically those are the ones we have the most problems with. Okay. That makes perfect you sense. Know, you know, when it comes to like, uh, like our, our wheel end program, mm-hmm. wheel seals, like, this is a P- PSA. Do not drive next to tractors and trailers on the road. Like, they are dangerous. <laughs> yeah. There are uh, 3,000 documented wheel-offs every year in the world. So that's, you know, a, a, t- a, set of, a set of duels and the brakes and all that's held on by just, like, one nut. And it weighs about 500 pounds. So yeah. it's just one nut comes off. Um, so we send all our guys through, through training. Everyone's certified. We get our torque wrenches recertified mm-hmm. and, you know. A lot of the old school guys don't like that. They right. don't like going that extra step. But so speaking do. of the tractor trailers, that's exactly why the semi trucks I speed pass. Yeah, time. <laughs> yeah. Get get around them. Do not do not cruise next to them. Right. So, what's some advice that you would give? You've been an entrepreneur for a long time since 2011. So we're talking about 12 years of man, all kind of challenges. I mean, from halfway freezing to going from leaving your, you know, your, your cushy job to figuring it out on your own from the two bay shop to the bigger shop to building your own shop, one burning down. So I know you have a lot of golden gems, a lot of knowledge that you can give to the upcoming entrepreneur. Don't be afraid to pivot. Like I think one of my favorite quotes in the whole world is from Mike Tyson. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's going to fight him. Everyone had a plan. So Mike Tyson says, Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, mm-hmm. and you're you're going to get punched in the face re- repeatedly, and it's it's knowing and, and being objective with yourself to go okay like this thing didn't work, it doesn't mean all of this isn't going to work. It means this thing didn't work. What can we learn from it, and what can we do better? Exactly. Uh, looking back and admitting you're wrong, admitting you made mistakes, and and just making sure you learn from them and don't dwell on the fact that it happened. Like we're all going to make mistakes, make mistakes every day. But it's at night, I review them, and I go, okay, well, we're not going to make that particular mistake again. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think, figuring out the risk level that you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think a lot of people look at the operation, I get cloudy. I don't know how you sleep at night. You know, like, well, I sleep actually pretty good. Right. um, But I'm I'm comfortable with, with where I'm at and then the risk versus reward that, that's there, and I don't think that's for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really struggle with moderation, as we discuss. So right. My mindset is take it as far as I can take it. Okay. And I, I don't think that's for everybody, but, but figuring out where you're comfortable with, because there is no wrong way. You're not, there's no way to win at business. 
Like you're never going to get to the finish line. The point is to stay in business. Like you want to be in business for a really long time. You don't get to get one day and go, okay, I won. Like Mm -hmm. that's not a thing. Mm -hmm. So just figuring out your progression, figuring out where you actually want to be, what you're comfortable with and what makes sense and, and not getting ahead of yourself. Um, You know, when it, things that, that last take a long time to build a foundation. So, you know, it's, it's everything works like everything else, like we talked about. So if right. you want to build a business, figure out kind of a general blueprint of, of what you want that to look like. Mm-hmm. Then just figure out how to, how to make it happen. Absolutely. You know, if you want to make a million dollars a year, break it down. You know, how do you eat an elephant? Mm-hmm. One right. bite at a time. Exactly. Break it down into smaller segments and don't get overwhelmed and don't get upset that, you don't make a million dollars the first year. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's okay. Right. Like, cause there chances are, if you would have made the million the first year, you would have spent the million the first year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's definitely levels to it and it's, it's okay to continue to level up. So don't compare your year one to someone else's year 10. Exactly. That's a, that's a big thing. And it's easy to get away from you. Like that's, it's easy to look on Instagram and go, well, why don't I have a Lamborghini? Why don't I have these things? It's like, mm-hmm. well, because you're not ready for them. Right. And, I, and the chances are that person's probably not ready for them, but they have them. Right. You know, I don't know if you mentioned this on camera or off camera, but I know you said you wanted to build your business but not be an employee of your business. So you started off as an employee of your business. How did you transition from being an employee in your business to actually taking that CEO position? Finding the right people is in having that clear path of like, I know that I, I can't do this, this particular thing anymore. I need to find a person to replace that, that portion Mm -hmm. of the business. Uh, I think there's a statistic, I think it's like somewhere around 70 or 80% of businesses, small businesses Mm -hmm. will never be sold because it's completely reliant on the owner. Mm So, and you know, I've turned down multiple offers this year to sell the business because I'm not I'm not interested in that. Right. But that kind of resonates of like, I don't want to be tied to this one thing. I think that I want to do other things. I want to expand myself personally and uh, and do some other stuff. So I don't want to be tied to it. Mm-hmm. And really focusing on how can you get rid of the task that you don't have to do. Mm-hmm. What can you hand off, and figuring out what your time is worth is really, really important. You know, if, if my time is valued at $200 an hour mm-hmm. and I can hire something out for $60 an hour, I'm going to hire it out for $60 an hour. Right. Cause it's going to save me time mm-hmm. and it's figuring out what your time is, is worth. And, you know, early on in, in the business, especially in a, the service based industry, I didn't have any money. So all I could sell was my time mm-hmm. and I could sell, about 12 hours a day of myself. Um, and it was making, figuring out how to make the most of that every day. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, well, if I have another employee, I can sell 24 hours of time mm-hmm. a day. Mm-hmm. And it just started kind of like figuring out math. Like, you know, I really, I love reporting. I love numbers. So understanding that business is people processes and math. Mm-hmm. And you just got to figure out how to make those things work and make it comfortable to what, where you want to live and the lifestyle that you want. Absolutely. So when it comes to like family time, right? 
obviously you've kind of pulled yourself out of the business to a degree, right? Where you're not doing like the hands-on stuff, but you did say you're still heavily involved in your business. How do you balance that time between family and business and whatever else you like to do? You still work on cars? No. Okay, so you stop. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, that's, that's those days are gone. I enjoy cars. I have some, but I don't work on them anymore. Okay. So how do you how do you balance your time? Um, I did a really bad job of that for a really long time. Okay. It actually caused quite a few issues in my life of mm-hmm. being so steadfast in, into the business. Okay. And I know that that's that kind of brought me on my trajectory to where I am, mm-hmm. but. I do think that's something else that entrepreneurs should be aware of is figuring out what is, <clears throat> what is truly important. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's always about the money. Right. You know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in that. And like, I was caught up in that for a long time. Uh, it definitely caused some damage in my personal life. Okay. Um, so I would, there, there's no right answer to that. Right. It's going to be whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. Right. And it's, I think making the most of the time you do have with the people mm-hmm. and making, making sure that you're, you know, even if you have just one day a week you're spending with with your significant other, or your family, or whatever it is, like make that special. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I said I, I didn't do a good job of that. It was that by that time that day came, it was like I'm tired. I just want to take a nap, and you leave me alone. And I don't recommend that. Okay. Well, hey, we, yeah. we live and we learn, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, any other valuable information you want to give to bring us to a close? Stay focused. Uh, you know, there's a, a line in the the Bible: the the largest acorn or largest oak in the world lives in the acorn. <clears throat> the acorn becomes the oak because it never thinks about anything else. It doesn't think about being a strawberry patch. It doesn't think about being the river. It doesn't think about anything else. It just thinks about being the biggest, best tree that it can be, and it takes all of its time and all of its focus into being that thing. Mm-hmm. So stay focused on the goal and, and be okay with pivoting, be okay with moving, like, but figure out where you want to be and go there. Set your direction and stick with it. And I think that's when those, those challenges come is it's almost a, a test from the universe of how bad do you want this thing? Mm-hmm. I think the, you know, when you keep pushing through, it pays off. Right. Um, you know, ener- matter is energy, mm-hmm. and things form under positivity and pressure. So, a positive mindset and some pressure will get you where you need to go. <clears throat> but you have to have a good mindset for it. Absolutely. Like you've got to wake up every day and be grateful for wherever you're at. Mm-hmm. If you wake up every day and go, "Man, I can't believe I'm here. I wish I was there." The universe doesn't like that. Right. But when you wake up every day and go. I am blissfully discontent with what I have right now. That's like my favorite term is blissfully discontent. Mm-hmm. I love what I have. I'm grateful for it. I, I want, I'm ready for more. Right. Like I want more. Exactly. Um, and I actually had a, a good conversation with my buddy the other day. I think it was, was I talked to him like Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had two, two big meetings on something he's working on, like a huge, humongous deal. He's, okay. he's going to get done. Like I know he's going to get it done. And uh, so he comes over uh, Friday and he's like, tells me how great the meeting's going. He's like, man, I wanted to quit last night. I wanted to quit everything. I wanted to give up completely. Mm. But I'm like, so last night you wanted to quit completely. And today you go crush 
two meetings regarding millions of dollars in a deal. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah. He's like, just one more day. Just one more day. Mm -hmm. Like, if you wake up every day and go, just one more day, no matter how hard it is, always go just that one more day because you don't know what it's going to bring. Absolutely. So those meetings he had on Friday were paramount to his future for what he wants to get done. But if he'd have given up Thursday, Mm -hmm. that never happened. That's true. One day. One day. Just one more day. Right. Okay. Press, that was a great close, man. Very valuable. A lot of great information. I'm sure a lot of people, the people that are going to listen to this, they have a lot of knowledge that they can take away. It doesn't matter what line of business they're in. They can definitely take what you shared and apply that in their business. So thank you, man. Yeah, no problem. Hopefully somebody gets some some good content out of this and understands what's uh what's possible in the world because like i never dreamed of, of being where i'm at or being invited on a podcast or you know being in a position to share knowledge you know i just kind of looked at these people that had big businesses and were doing all this stuff as kind of these mystical creatures that had done something magical and you right. realize like they're human too and they make mistakes and i kind of have this issue in my brain that if someone else can do it then i can do it right and i think that is true that we are all much more capable than we, we give ourselves credit for. Exactly. So it's... I wouldn't call it an, an issue. <laughs> well... Because <laughs> I feel the same way. It's been way. called an issue. <laughs> it's been called an issue. <laughs> okay. No, but that's... No, good stuff, man. I mean, you've always... You, you're a bright guy. You know, even when we work together, you know, just a lot of the things that you shared, there were some people that just weren't ready for, you know, what you wanted to bring to the table. You know, I felt like you kind of had a cap on what you were trying to do. So I can understand being able to just, you know, hey, I'm out of here. So I create my cap. Yeah. But you haven't created a cap for yourself. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, sky's the limit. Yeah. This year, um, my motto has been show me how good it can be. Because mm-hmm. I've always set pretty massive goals and I've, I would accomplish them by a dollar. If my goal was a million, it'd be a million and one. Two million is two million and one. So this year it was to show me how good it can be, mm-hmm. and we you know more than doubled the sales. And uh, a good a good example of that is I had a, a big day where we paid bills and ran payroll in one day, and it was a pretty expensive day, like one of the more expensive days I'd had. And I was like laughing about it, and I said, "All right, well now we just need to bill out, you know, seventy grand a day, which that doesn't you know we're not writing seventy thousand dollar invoices on fixing trailers." And I had a customer call, and it was like, "Hey." that batch of a hundred trailers we're going to do, I need you to bill them out today. $70,000. Wow. So it was just, it was a good reminder of like, don't have a limiting belief. Like it can be better than you think it can. Exactly. Yeah. That's huge, man. Yeah. So normally I, you know, tell everyone that will include your information in the description, but your business to business, I think that's very valuable what people can walk away with is knowing that business to business is possible. You don't just have to focus on business to consumer. You have business to government as well. So just keep that in mind. Make sure if you have to, you go back, listen to a few key points as far as building those relationships, uh, reaching out to people on LinkedIn, just being creative with how you can make your business work, how you can make your business grow. But we want to thank you for joining the Let's Evolve for Tomorrow podcast, where we help aspiring, new, and existing entrepreneurs excel to the next level by inviting other aspiring, new, and existing entrepreneurs to the podcast to give knowledge, information, and education on how to get to the next level in your business. And we'll see you next time.